Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Friday, October 28th, and this is People Every Day. Happy Halloween, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here with you on a Friday. Now, I know tonight and tomorrow are when a lot of you grown-ups will be heading to Halloween parties, myself included, and you might be scrambling to come up with a treat to bring, right? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. But before that, we are joined by Danielle Deadweiler, who's starring in Till, which is out today, and I'm telling you, it is a must-see. And a story that is hot off the press, Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen have officially called it quits and filed for divorce. So much going on, so much to get to. Let's dive into what's out there. Elon Musk has officially purchased Twitter for $44 billion and has big plans on changing the way people communicate, 280 characters at a time. The sale marks the end of months of back and forth between Musk and the company after the SpaceX owner announced plans to back out of the initial agreement to purchase Twitter back in July. As Musk's takeover became official last night, the Tesla founder acted swiftly by firing three of the social media's top executives, including the CEO, the CEO, and the company's head of legal policy, trust, and safety. And it sounds like Musk may be cleaning house after he told potential investors that he planned to cut nearly 75% of the company's 7,500 workers. You never like to hear so many people are sitting wondering if they're going to lose their jobs. But back in April, Musk claimed he had big plans for the social media giant, saying, quote, Twitter has tremendous potential. I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. Well, we shall see what's next for the San Francisco-based social media juggernaut. We are staying in the Bay Area for this next story. Earlier this morning, Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, was violently attacked at his home in San Francisco. A statement for the speaker addressed the incident, saying in part, early this morning, an assailant broke into the Pelosi residence in San Francisco and violently assaulted Mr. Pelosi. The statement added that 82-year-old Pelosi was taken to an area hospital where, quote, he is receiving excellent medical care and is expected to make a full recovery. The attack reportedly happened between midnight and 2 a.m. Pacific, and San Francisco area news station KGO-TV heard from sources that a hammer was involved. Other news outlets are reporting that the attacker was allegedly looking for the speaker and shouted, quote, where is Nancy? As he confronted Mr. Pelosi. Speaker Pelosi was in D.C. at the time of the assault, according to the U.S. Capitol Police, which has partnered with the FBI and San Francisco Police to conduct an investigation. The assailant is in custody, and investigators are working to find a motive for the brutal assault. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said in a statement this morning that, quote, the president is praying for Paul Pelosi and for Speaker Pelosi's whole family, and went on to add that President Biden has been in touch directly with Nancy Pelosi. And now it's time to get into the story that we've been following from the sidelines for several months now. Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen have finally filed for divorce. 
Well, everyone, it happened. We've been reporting for weeks about Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen's marriage troubles. While a source told us that these issues have been going on for quite some time, they were especially exacerbated following Tom's unretirement from football. A source previously told people that Giselle, quote, is done with their marriage. Which brings us to the news that broke this morning. Tom and Giselle filed for divorce after 13 years of marriage, and apparently a settlement is already worked out. Joining me now to discuss what we know is People's Executive Editorial Director, Charlotte Triggs. Hey, Janine. Thanks for having me. So Tom and Giselle each released statements this morning following the news. What did they say, Charlotte? So shortly after we posted the news that they were intending to file today, the couple went ahead and acknowledged it publicly. They each had their own statement, basically saying that they describe it as the divorce is finalized. And to my understanding, they have a settlement worked out. They've got terms of it all ironed out. They had a prenup. Everything is basically aligned. They know how they're going to divide the assets. They agreed to share joint custody of the kids. And today what they're doing is they're filing the paperwork in court to say, here, we don't really need you to do anything. And boom, here's the last step of the process. Wow. When I look at Brady's statement, he's going into a little bit of the emotion, right? Saying, of course, painful and difficult, like it is for many people who go through the same thing every day around the world. And then with Giselle, she says, the decision to end a marriage is never easy, but we have grown apart. And while it is, of course, difficult to go through something like this, I feel blessed for the time we had together and only wish the best for Tom always. Do we feel like everything's settled? It sounds like the paperwork is, but like between them, are they at peace? This aligns very much with what we had been hearing from sources. She sounds pretty fine about it, pretty calm about it. It was very obviously her decision. Sources told us that she was the one who was leading the charge here and that she hired a divorce attorney and then Tom was forced to hire one himself. Source close to Tom has described it as he's playing defense. He doesn't want a divorce, but if it's going to happen, okay, fine. He's going to have to like protect his end of things and he's going to have to take an active role in working out the details as they've now done. But he was clearly not driving the bus. And you can see it from the emotion in his statement and the relative calm in her statement that he's coming off a rough few weeks, just even professionally. He's lost now three games in a row, which I'm not much of a football person, but apparently he hasn't lost three games in a row in 20 years. Of course, most and most NFL players don't play for 20 years. So <laughs> therein lies the whole problem, doesn't it? We knew that they were working on this for a long time, that by the time we even learned that she'd gotten a divorce attorney, that was actually beginning of October that we heard that, she'd had an attorney already for weeks, and he had as well, and they'd been hammering out the details. So it was by the time we found out that there were lawyers involved, the train had left the station, and it was not going back. Well, let's talk about you know, what took place in terms of these negotiations. They share two children together, son Benjamin and daughter Vivian Lake, along with Tom's son, John Edward, who's 15 with ex-Bridget Moynihan. What have we heard about that probably very complicated discussion surrounding the kids? Yeah. So obviously Jack primarily lives with his mom in New York City. And the two kids that they share together have been enrolled in school in Tampa, but we've been seeing them quite a bit in Miami. They have a family home in Miami that they own that they were in the midst of renovating. But Giselle has kind of like made Miami her home base uh, since the split. And Tom has been in Tampa with the team, obviously. But, you know, I suppose like 
Tampa to Miami is not that far. If you're a normal schmo and you're driving, it's probably not that far. But if you're flying private, it's probably like literally 15 minutes away. I don't know. We can someone a little bit more upscale will have to tell us. Now, a source told us a couple weeks ago, Giselle was really upset and felt really, really bad for the kids. But on the upside, she didn't expect any custody issues. And lo and behold, now that we're seeing that they do have this kind of settlement agreement. They're going to share custody. And by all accounts, both sides are very much espousing the fact that they expect this to be amicable. And sure, on paper, it absolutely is amicable. They've divided up the assets. They've got a custody agreement, all of this stuff. We know that there's a lot of bad feelings behind this. If you're getting a divorce, obviously you're not happy with things. There's some spark that lit this whole thing that must have happened in the late summer that we still don't know. So so what about their properties? What about the assets? How is that getting divided up? Well, that remains to be seen. We do not have that information yet. They have this huge mansion in Miami, $17 million that they purchased on Indian Creek Island, which that's the thing that they're in the midst of renovating. If you recall, during the hurricane, which hit Tampa pretty pretty heavily. They all decamped to Miami, but they were definitely not in the same home. So I feel like there's like multiple properties at play here. Then they have a house in Costa Rica. I think that was Giselle's house before they even got together because when they got married, she already had that house and they got, they had their second wedding celebration at that house. I think that's hers. They have a really nice apartment in New York city. They might actually have more than one. I don't know who gets that. She's been spending a lot of time in New York city and Tom doesn't really accept when he goes to New York city to see his son. I'm guessing that they'll each end up with their own kind of New York property, their own Miami property. He'll have his Tampa property. She'll have her Costa Rica property. And then they do have this house at the Yellowstone Resort in Montana. This is like super fancy schmancy, kind of like mountain ski resort place that a lot of really, really rich people go there. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez go there and stuff like that. You know, who knows who's going to get that? I guess it's like who actually cares about skiing and winter, winter hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we had heard that Giselle was the one steering the divorce, and and there was no looking back once those wheels were in motion. So just remind us a little bit of how she was feeling throughout this whole process. Timeline-wise, we only found out that there there was something amiss. There was trouble afoot August 11th, because that's when Tom didn't show up to practice. And Tom doesn't just miss practice. So that was really a red flag. Prior to that, we had heard from her on August 3rd, wishing him a happy birthday and saying what a wonderful dad he was and a great person and wishing him a great year. Something happened in that moment in time. On her end, she hates the narrative that she's a nagging wife who's pissed that he's going back to play football. And I know personally, five years ago, when I talked to her at a party for 30 minutes, she is sick of him playing football. And she has told me with her own words that like she wants him to retire, that she was afraid of it, like CTE. She was afraid of like all the like possible things that could happen. And she, she did want him to retire. She was telling me that already years ago when he was only 40, not 45. She has been upset that this was happened, but at a certain point in this process, she just became resolved that it was over. And she's been seeing a healer, a spiritual healer in Miami. She's been seen there a lot. We know she's a very spiritual person and stuff like that. Like, I think she's like, resolved that her decision is the right decision. And now she's just kind of like focused on what's next. All right. And then Tom, they've been losing. They lost last night, you know, to the Baltimore Ravens, 27 to 22. We've seen him like yelling at his teammates. But despite all of this, he's not planning to cut the season short or cut out, right? There's been so much scrutiny on him. So it's like we had a source saying that he was like very much hurting as a result 
of the the stuff going on with Giselle. But he is not a guy that likes to show emotion. He does like weekly radio interviews and weekly press conferences as a routine part of like the season. He like keeps a straight face. There's no sign of emotion. I mean, on the field, he's gotten very mad. He smashed a tablet. He was yelling at people. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of fairly typical for for football. Like, I'm going to go ahead with my gut and say it's like a little bit of like, sloppy. Like, it's like a little ragged for him, you know, not totally buttoned up. And then they've been losing. You know what, Charlotte? It feels to me like once you make a bad decision, especially <laughs> in a public way, you have to stick with it. Because, guy, you won. You won. You went out on top. Okay, you you have the uh, freaking beautiful Sports Illustrated, Victoria's Secret model, beautiful children, everything. And then you go back. I mean, he <laughs> thinks he's got mileage. He thinks he's still got mileage. Aye. And that as long as his arm works, he's going to keep playing. And he really wants to stick to that. And so the funny thing is, like a week ago, there was another former quarterback that he thought that Tom might quit in the middle of the season and walk away. So Tom actually addressed it during a press conference. Like he just like, you know, went there and was like, I'm not retiring. Nope, not doing it. Like you guys can speculate all you want and say that I'm retiring, but I am not retiring as if to underscore the point, he will not stop. Even though he's got all this other stuff cooking, he's got all these things lined up. He's got a whole Fox sports hosting gig lined up for when he's done. He bought a pickleball league. He's got so many endorsements and all of these other things going on, but he's not retiring. Goodness. Tom told football, if I had to choose, I'd choose you. <laughs> well, this is a story people has had their finger on the pulse on. And as more developments come, we'll just keep you guys updated. Charlotte, it's always so great to have you on. And thanks for stopping by to discuss it. Thank you so much. The much-anticipated film Till is out everywhere in theaters today. And coming up in the show, we are joined by one of the stars of the film, the star, actually, Danielle Deadweiler. We sit down with her to talk about why Emmett Till's story is so critical to the time we find ourselves in now. But first, it's a very special New Music Friday because... Riri is back. After the break, we'll be sharing Rihanna's brand new single, Lift Me Up. And you guys, it is everything. So stay right there and we'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back, and it's time to update the Weekend Playlist with the newest singles out now. So starting things off here on New Music Friday is country heartthrob Keith Urban with his brand new toe tapper, Street Called Maine. But anytime I'm on in a street called Maine, girl, 
songs are just meant to be played in the car with the windows down, and that is definitely one of them. Next up, BTS may be on hiatus, but the band members are still putting out new music. Jen has a new single out today called The Astronaut. The music video is all about an alien having to navigate Earth for the first time, and it's a really emotional song that's inspired by Jen getting ready to leave for a new world as he prepares to fulfill his mandatory military service in South Korea. The song was co-written with Coldplay frontman Chris Martin. Martin previously collaborated with BTS for their platinum 2021 hit, My Universe. And it seems like Jen and Martin have some out-of-this-world collaboration chemistry. And yes, now for the single we've all been waiting for. Last night at midnight, Rihanna released her first solo work in six years. And it's called Lift Me Up, which is featured on the soundtrack to the Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever. Keep me in the warmth of your love when you depart. Keep me safe, safe and sound. The single is meant to be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who played the titular role of Black Panther and passed away in August 2020 at just 43 years old. It's so beautiful, and I wasn't sure it was even possible, but somehow I'm even more excited to see Wakanda forever. Chicago. I had a son. When something happened to the Negroes in the South, I said, that's their business, not mine. Now I know what happens to any of us anywhere in the world had better be the business of us all. That was a powerful scene from Till, a story that chronicles the life of 14-year-old Emmett Till and the events that ensued following his horrific and untimely death. In 1955, he was lynched by a group of racist white men in the Jim Crow South who accused him of something he was innocent of. His killing and how bravely his mother, Mamie Till, handled it emphasized the need for equal rights in this country and helped in the establishment of the civil rights movement. The film is backed by a star-studded cast, including movie icon Whoopi Goldberg, Reasonable Doubts' Sean Patrick Thomas, and Station Eleven alum Danielle Deadweiler. Today, it premieres in theaters everywhere, and I am so excited because its star, Danielle Deadweiler, is here with me now to talk about what it was like to travel back in time to resurface this critical moment in American history. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Oh my goodness, thank you for having me here. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my goodness. It's such a pleasure. This story is just one that can easily bring tears to the eyes, of course. I grew up learning this story. So until you portray Emmett Till's mother, Mamie Till, and like any mother, she loves Emmett with all of her heart and chose to go to the ends of the earth to seek justice. So what was it about the script that just really spoke to you? It's a nerve-wracking endeavor. I've known about it since I was in elementary school. You know the the bare minimum, right? The surface, you know that this child was killed. You saw the image of his body and you saw the image of his wailing mother. But that's kind of the crooks. And once you start to do the delving, then there's this like insane breadth of knowledge and information about the true nature of who she was, this essentially heroic American figure. I didn't read it immediately, rather. I slowly read it. I read a third 
took a couple of days, read another third, took another couple of days, finally finished, sat in, and, and just marinated in it and breathed through it because <laughs> that weight. I knew the heart would be there because those initial auditions were a couple of the speeches that were done in, in court. And then the other one is the conversation that she has with Emmett about how he needs to be before he goes down. And I've had those conversations with my own son about how to move through the world, about how to step with his friends, about the difference in how he could possibly be received as opposed to his friends who are, who are not of color. Well, you talk about it there, about just going into this character. And it, and it makes me think of those really deep, rich performances that, that we've seen on screen. Was it hard for you to part ways from Mamie when the cameras weren't rolling? I got to be a Black mother um, for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so I had to go home to my child every night, too. He still had homework, and he still wants to eat. There is no... Um, not thinking about the after or, or, or maintaining a sense of care. I've been too wrapped up in what does it mean to, to truly balance one's life. And I knew <laughs> that this was going to be something that I needed to take steps to prepare for. I have my own therapist. If you're thinking about things in a certain kind of way, trying to move through the world with any sense of balance, then you're, you're, you're making that effort. I don't think we're supposed to burn ourselves up to give the greatest aspects of ourselves. Well, award season hasn't arrived yet, but the film, along with your outstanding performance, has sparked praise and just a lot of buzz. This could be a very, very big year for you. Seems like a, a bit of a, a whirlwind. Does it feel like that at all, or are you just chilling? <laughs> I am chilling for a good degree, because I still call my son, and he was like, um, this is how I want my birthday party. You know, life, daily life persists. And it's really cool to have those conversations, to be a part of those conversations. But bigger than me, bigger than, than anything, is the intention to bring Mamie to the forefront. If awards talk makes people talk about Mamie, that's a win. That's a win. Well, well take, take me on the set a little bit, behind the scenes. How did you guys decompress it all? What was it like hanging out with the cast? I am a gospel singer. In between setups. <laughs> <laughs> I love Reverend Paul Jones. I would sing, I won't complain. Me and Frankie, all, all the time. He's like, damn, sing the song. I'd be like, okay. And we sing it together. <laughs> Me and him and Tosin, cracking jokes. Because what you do understand is not only is there this tragedy, there is this joy, this love. And so we were doing that. And, and you have a huge TV background, but is there more... TV more like where, where are you leaning now? There's a difference in the way that TV and film go, but I, I'm open to both. A limited series that you know, like Station Eleven, that just like it feels like a long, glorious movie. You get to delve into things in a different kind of way. There's a speed, right? The tempo shifts. TV just gives you a, a greater expanse, and then film is just you get to you get to sit in a longer, slower kind of way. But I'm open to both. The intent is to be with stories that have a, a universal appeal. And it's all about the story for me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for, of course, taking the time today, but for just this powerful work that means so much to so many people. Guys, run. Do not walk to get your tickets. Danielle, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. 
To all of you folks heading out to your Halloween parties this weekend, I didn't forget about you. If you're wondering what sweet treat you can bring so you don't show up empty-handed like some monster, I mean, unless that's your costume, People's Digital Food Editor, Anna Calderon, has you covered. Take it away, Anna. Thank you for that marvelous introduction. Happy Halloween, everyone. Why not celebrate the holiday with a recipe inspired by the buzziest Halloween movie this year, Hocus Pocus 2. Our delicious dark chocolate brownies are decorated to look like the spell book used by the Sanderson sisters, and will put a sweet spell on all your guests. Start by microwaving seven ounces of chopped chocolate and half a cup of butter in a microwavable bowl on high until melted, about one minute, stopping to stir it every 15 seconds. Let it cool for five minutes, then stir together three eggs, three quarter cups of granulated sugar, one teaspoon of ground espresso, and one teaspoon vanilla in a large bowl. Now you're gonna combine the two. For the dry ingredients, sift together a quarter cup of flour, a quarter cup of unsweetened cocoa, one teaspoon of baking powder, and an eighth teaspoon of table salt in a separate bowl. Then stir the dry ingredients into the chocolate egg mixture until they're fully incorporated. Spoon that batter evenly into an eight inch baking pan lined with parchment and bake it at 350 degrees until a wooden pick insert in the center comes out with moist crumbs, about 20 minutes. Once they're cool, cut the brownies into nine squares. They'll be about two and a half inches each. Using an edible gel pen or icing, add one dot on the right side of each brownie square and place a candy eyeball on top. Using the decorating gel, outline the eyeball, then create the binding and jagged lines all around the brownie book. For the full recipe, go to people.com food. Hocus Pocus brownies, yes. They're topical, they're brownies, and they're the perfect thing to make. Well, that's our show. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy those Halloween parties. Have fun, stay safe. And I'll talk to you all again on our Monday episode of People Every Day. People Every Day is produced by Chrissy Lindquist, Tony Mantia, Amy Machado, and Madison Lesby. Edited by Morgan Foose, Carter Wogan, and Michael Aquino and made with help from Patrick Vermillion and the great team at Pod People. People's producers are me, Janine Rubenstein, and Charlotte Triggs. Our show is associate produced by Eliza Sessler and Fallon Harge, and executive produced by David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman.